Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to The Gang, the one you never asked to be a part of. You are listening to The Grief Gang podcast, the show dedicated to breaking down the topic of grief one conversation at a time with me, your host, Amber Jeffrey. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another week's episode. I hope you're still here on the ride with me. It's been fun. It's been great. It's been explorative. (laughs) This week's episode is a little bit different. It is a um, external recording. By the time this is released, it will be about two weeks. So about two weeks ago, I was so kindly uh, invited to brighton death festival i mean can we just take a minute to acknowledge that death festivals are being put on like never in my lifetime did i think we'd be doing death festivals and like people actually turning up to be part of these conversations to listen to learn we've come a long way we've still got a bit to go but yeah amazing so i was invited to come down and do a uh, interview with a lovely lady called anna burt who is one half of the mother of all lost podcast which if you haven't already you should re-listen to them too it's run by anna and her co-host emily benita and we we were on stage, we were interviewing each other and the topic of our uh, talk that day was all about mother losses because we are part of the Dead Mum Club, the DMC, as you will hear later on, <laughs> kind of rinsed that out in this talk, but the DMC. And we discussed, yeah, about what it's been like being women and losing women in our lives and what it's been like to be part of it and also how community and more specifically podcasting has really saved our lives and enabled us to explore these layers of grief creatively and freely and it's 
a real lark. It's a hoot, I said. It's a hoot, I said at the end of this recording. And so throughout this episode, you'll hear me and Emily basically, not me and Emily, Anna, me and Anna, having a just good old laugh and unpacking the good shit that is grief you'll also hear as well some lovely uh audience speakers who asked questions so you'll be able to hear them i think it'll be quite like a uh, immersive episode so if you uh weren't able to have made it down to, to brighton on this day for for this festival i hope this gives you a little slither as to what it was like um and you can really feel like you were in the room with us and maybe get a taster for potential future events that might be being put on ooh cryptic um so yeah it's a bit of fun um i really really enjoyed my conversation with anna she's a total laugh and i would i wouldn't you know go as far as saying you know you'll probably hear her on on this platform again sometime very soon because we just we bonded so 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 well so yeah i hope you enjoy this episode we are nearing towards the end of uh, this season four and it's been so much fun and I'm really, really grateful for everybody who's tuned in and shared their thoughts and feedback on this episode's episodes. Um, so yeah, happy listening and I'll see you on the flip side. Well, hello, everybody, and it is so wonderful to be here with you all today. It is shining. Um, I can't really still believe I'm actually here at a deaf festival. Um, <laughs> it's wild. <laughs> I actually can't really believe I'm actually here at a deaf festival, and it's actually been pulled together, not by any, nothing bad of the, the uh, facilitators, but just how, how times have changed, yeah. how times have changed. And I'm so, so delighted to be here on this stage with you, Anna, my fellow podcasting sister. And we are going to be DMCing about DMC. So DMC is the Dead Mums Club, um, which <laughs> is the club that we are in, um, that no one, no one wants to be in. But once you're in it, it's really important to embrace it, I feel, personally. Um, and I guess that's what we've both done. Yeah. Um, Amber with her platform and um, The Grief Gang and me with my podcast, The Mother of All Losses. Um, do you want to introduce us to The Grief Gang? Yeah, totally. Yeah, so before we are going to be going uh, throughout this next hour and at the end we'll have about 15 minutes of uh, questions and just laughter, tears, whatever it is. We're all about Cry Club here. I mean, I'm, I snottily cry all the time on the podcast. But um, yeah, we want to introduce you and tell you a bit about our stories of to how and why we came to be here today and how actually I think podcasting, I can say as well, probably saved our lives. Um, so my story is to take you back now, six years ago in 2016, my mum died of a very sudden heart attack. Me being 19 at the time, her being just yeah just turned 51 and as you can imagine it just completely rocked our world me and my brother about seven years older than me and we were catapulted into this life of navigating a world without the most that that kind of feeble age most important person in your life and we'll touch on later kind of the latching onto other people's mums instead (laughs) (laughs) I'm still up for adoption. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Chester, because that's another part. But it, um, 
I felt so alienated being 19. I think it's a really difficult age, a coming of age kind of age and just trying to figure out who you want to be in life and then not having that that support network and that and that core person in your life to go, oh, well, mum, should I take this career path? Or mum, should I leave that boy? Mum, should I sack off that mate, though, prick? And she had a good sense for mates who were pricks. <laughs> and so having to navigate that by yourself was tricky. And I felt really alienated in my friendship groups and subsequently they really struggled. And upon, in hindsight, I realised I just didn't have the language. I didn't know how to articulate my grief. There was just this fireball of anger in me and I was a walking, just raging ball. And it hit the summer of 2019 for me when I'd cut off probably... 90% of my friendship groups, the only ones who were hanging around like dear life, my friends like, just hold on, like she'll get better. And my mental health took a real decline and it was a really scary place for me because I wasn't somebody who, like shamefully, probably actually really believed in mental health and kind of really realising that, oh no, I can just, you know, positive vibes my way out of this and kind of vibe. And I was like, no, you're deeply depressed and you're deeply grieving and you haven't even scratched the surface of what this monumental loss for your mother is. And so I, if there's any therapist in the room, I'm really sorry because I'm probably about to slate a bit of you. <laughs> and um, I went down the therapy route and it didn't work for me uh, for a number of reasons. If you want to know the full story, you can listen to the first episode, expletives and all in that one. And... Um, It didn't work for me and I realised I needed to find people who just understood me. I needed to find fellow young women, other people who've just lost their mother just to go, the things I'm thinking, I'm not mad, am I? Like, do you think them as well? And I really thought I was a minority. I thought, nah, this is, it's not going to happen. And so just on this really shoddy holiday with my partner, kind of coming out of the despair of it all and just escaping to some sunshine, um... I sat there listening to podcasts as I just loved them anyway. And just like a light just went off. I just went, I'm going to start a podcast. And I said to my partner, just on a Sunday, I went, I'm going to start a podcast. And he went, what? And I went, he went, about what? And I went, grief. And he went, what the fuck? He was like, where, where is your mind? Like, what? He's like, I think you're just listening. I thought you're listening there's like some music, but really you're thinking of, of creating a podcast. And so that was it. I became obsessed with it ever since. And then I came back and sort of put the meat to the bones of it. I was like, what am I going to call it? I was like, I'll call it the grief gang because you're all part of a gang that you don't want to be a part of. And he was like, you can't run away with the first name. And I said, yes, I can watch me. And I did. <laughs> and I came back and I started the Instagram page and I shared it with friends and family, just asking for their support. I said, I'm just ready to give back now. And it was met with an abundance of love. And then slowly and surely as I started sharing for the past three years of what had been in my head, finally being vulnerable and just saying all out on this Instagram caption of just, I feel like this, anybody else. And then strangers from afar started writing me too. I was like, oh shit, like I'm not alone anymore. And then the podcast was always sitting in the back. And as we were discussing earlier, of like the whole tech side, I thought, I've got the foggiest idea of how to start a podcast. And it just started in the back of my bedroom, just sitting on a bed with a dusty old mic and going, I'm going to tell my story from beginning to end. And as I started to do that, I got more intrigued by hearing other people's stories and how how they cope through something so devastating and how they learn to live again. Not just wanting to 
fixate on the despair of just like, oh, they've died. Blah, blah, blah. I wanted to know, how are you living? How is grief helping you to live? How is it your rocket fuel? And it, till this day, has been the best thing I've ever done with my life. And just, it's grown in ways that I never could have imagined to even be here today and to meet people from across the globe who I have friends for life, who nourish me, who teach me things about my grief, who make me think, who make me curious. I... I'm forever in I'm forever indebted and it's it's a weird and we'll probably talk in this a bit of how the weird complex of having something so great come out of something so devastating. Mm. But that's my story of grief gang and it's yeah it's my baby and my my, my grief baby and my my it's now a toddler now it turned 3 in September and I just I've never stuck at anything in my life. I I get really bored and I was never the kid in school who would see a problem and try to go to fix it. I'd go that's someone else's problem. And so for me I saw this it was, you know, back in that on that holiday, and I thought there's a there's a gap in the grief market as such, and I thought I'll 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 fill it up, I'll fill it up, and let's just see what happens. And it's been a wild wild ride. I've met wonderful people like you, Anna. So tell me and the audience all about the mother of all losses. Thank you, and it's uh, the grief gang is amazing and was a really big support for me as well. Um, so the mother of all losses actually came from quite a different. I actually don't. I don't know if my eyes. You're a little bit closer. The mother of all losses um, actually came from. So my background is actually in books and publishing rather than any kind of broadcasting. Um, although I do work on local radio, but that came afterwards. <laughs> and um, I, I wanted to curate a book um, which um, documented people's stories of losing their mother. I was 21 when my mum died from an aggressive bone cancer, which became terminal. Um, was described as terminal three months later she was dead it was that kind of thing and I always lived with the threat of my mum dying because she had been um had various problems in her health for quite many years and she was an amputee because of this bone cancer so it was kind of a threat but when when you survive again and again and again it kind of seems so alien that you're going to die and so while it wasn't a shock and sudden like your mum's death was it was still kind of still kind of unbelievable and I still think this was nine years ago last Thursday but it was nine years and it's still just think wait how are you how are you not here though because you're kind you kind of are but also not and then we can talk about the kind of platitudes that yeah. people say later like she'll always be with you and I'm like yeah, okay. I mean she's not though is she <laughs> but but there is something about that kind of ever-presentness of like because grief is grief is love like in many ways mm-hmm. um but anyway I am um, decided to curate this anthology um, with um, poets, uh, poets, artists, writers, normal people like me talking about their experience of losing their mother. Um, so where, where the grief gang is quite um, broad in its scope of grief and death, um, my kind of specialist subject, I guess, was losing a mum. And I very quickly got an agent for this project. And if anyone knows anything about publishing, that means absolutely nothing because the book didn't sell. Um, because I wasn't a big name, unfortunately. Um, if I was like Katie Price, okay, I always go to Katie Price. I love Katie Price. But if I was like a celeb, um, it, it probably would have sold because it, it's a banging idea. Um, and it didn't. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, that's fine. And, and I kind of carried on... Um, carried on just existing for a while and then I thought you know what I want to do something with this but I want to take control over it Mm -hmm. and I think um in that time I'd kind of you know podcasting had really um kind of boomed Mm -hmm. and I'm a big fan of them like you um and I just thought I want to do something with this project I want to take take this project back into my control and um you know you have complete autonomy when you're creating audio like and it's really nice and I put something out on Twitter and I was like I want to do a podcast about 
grief and losing a mum would anyone out there I can't even remember what it said like anyone out there want to talk Hello. <laughs> hey, yeah. into the void um that is Twitter um and someone who followed me and followed someone else sent my tweet to them and this person was Emily Benita um who isn't here she lives in Glasgow um and Emily was like oh my god yes I've just written a play um for Edinburgh she's a um comedian yeah. um it's not called a play is it a oh, comedy um, thing <laughs> Comedians in the crowd. <laughs> what do you do? What do you do? A sketch. A, sh- a sketch. A show. A show. It was a show. Um, about um, losing her gorgeous mum, Trudes. And um, and she sent me the audio recording of it. I listened to it and I was like, oh, mate, this is so real. And like, yeah. all the, it really had all that like raw emotion of just like, and, and Emily and I have so many similarities and differences in, in ourselves and our lives. Like she was an only child mm-hmm. and I'm not. I have a little brother. Yeah. So he was 18 when my mum died and I was 21. Um, and all the complications that come with that um, her parents had split up whereas mine were together so there was the difference between all of those things but there was just this absolute right from the first time we spoke there is something inextricably bonding about meeting a bereaved Mm. person and Mm. I think I don't know about you but I think I've got a sixth sense sometimes when I meet someone I'm like your mum's dead the radar yeah the the grief radar I tell you now it's like a smell you give off a scent you do give off a scent or you just the way I tried to pinpoint it was in a way, I don't know, when and I was reading, I was actually reading The Year of Magical Thinking, Joan Didion, mm-hmm. who's read it. Love, love. Um, there's a bit where she puts, you know, like, she says something like, you know, when you see a bereaved person, you can see it on their face. Yeah. And there's almost like this, and why dying, me and Poppy, we've spoken about it. And um, you have this, you just can't, you can't, you, you, you can pinpoint, you're like, I know something, something shit has happened, to, happened you. to you. Yeah. Because the way you navigate this room, and it's not like an air of confidence. I think for some people it is. I think I now walk into rooms now and I think, what's the worst that can happen? My mum died. <laughs> I can make a tit of myself. I can fall arseholes for tit. I can do whatever, but what's the worst that can happen? My mum died. And just some people, they just carry themselves a bit differently and you just know and you, you soon get talking and they're like, yeah, and then you're like, oh, that's it. Yeah, that's it. They don't. I knew it. Yes. And then I'm I like, and then I'm kind of like, yes. Yeah. And I don't mean that. I just mean like, I really like being right. <laughs> Um, so Emily and I basically just kind of trauma bonded and started recording this podcast um, and we have a specific format so the stipulation is that your mother or mother figure has died so stepmom, mother figure um, etc and we ask them um, the same questions yeah. and I really like asking different people the same questions yeah. it's just a format that like really appeals to me so um, we ask them how their grief is today um, and how their mum lived because the question often is how your mum died. And how did they live? And we ask them to tell us a story about their mum, something significant. Could be a happy one, could be a sad one, could mm. just be something that sticks with them. Um, then we ask them what did and didn't work in their grief. Um, mm. And a lot of the same things come up again yeah. and again. I'm sure that's something yeah. we'll talk about. Um, and then we ask them if there's anything that we haven't asked them. Because I think like just holding a space for someone else's grief is so important. And I think so often, and you probably have this too, Amber, that people think this is going to be like a really depressing conversation. But I cannot tell you that these are like the most, it, when, when we record, we're on a break at the moment, but it's the most uplifting part of my yeah. week. And every single person that comes on, afterwards, we ask them how they're feeling. You know, yeah, there's a certain yeah, amount of aftercare. Yeah. <laughs> which is, and, um, and they're like, oh my God, I I feel lifted. I feel a weight has been lifted. I feel heard. I feel listened to because there's so much silence around grief. And especially when you lose a parent when you're young Mm -hmm. and when you're kind of mad, like I was kind of mad, like really raging and angry. And so there's 
for me as well, there was so much substance abuse in my mm -hmm. grief as well. And that's obviously worrying for people. And then there's all this kind of, you're like, you feel completely adrift, but also completely focused. And like, there's mm. so, and it's just, why would anyone be able to understand that? No. And it's just like taboos within taboos within taboos. Mm. Um, and just, yeah, touch on what you said of people think, and I, <laughs> I love it so much when I do kind of on a rarity now, people will meet and say, like, they kind of, not don't know what I do, like I'm the shit or something, but I'm so, it's so much of my identity, like my grief is a part and it's it's shaped so much of my career and my future. So when I meet people who don't and I go, oh, what do you do? I'm like, I spend a lot of time talking about grief. And they're like, what? <laughs> and just their response is so varied sometimes. And they and I say, well, listen to it, have a listen and see. And after they go, I've never laughed so much. And listening to somebody's anecdote about their loved one or just being like brutally honest about what grief is. And that's a part because grief isn't all just sadness and morbidness and despair. It is laughing and, and the most inappropriate of moments at the funeral. It is, it's so multifaceted. And that's where shows like ours and there's so many now and it's a weird conflict of there is this huge online community now around grief and death and dying and it's like yeah power to the people but then it's like shit you had someone die yeah for you to get here and kind of I suppose that leads quite well into talking into turning pain into purpose a little bit and when me and you spoke about this of when someone dies in your life you can often feel that this this can't be in vain. It can't be for nothing. And we must turn something out of this tragedy into positivity. And I suppose mm. people sitting here and who listen to our show might think, oh, well, you know, that's somewhat of what we've done. We've turned a tragedy into something positive and done something out of it. But that pressure is huge. And sometimes mm. a tragedy is just a tragedy. Yeah. And that's something that I think with um, with the Grief Gang, because your, your platform is large, right? Mm. I mean, it's... Yeah, casual no. 30,000 <laughs> followers on Instagram. Um, and Instagram. I think, how do you kind of protect yourself and your grief mm. with that? Because there's a lot of responsibility and people are desperate when they're grieving. I'm sure yeah. many people here, like, you are just clutching, like, to turn, you know, in the dark, to yeah. turn on a light yeah. switch. And Absolutely. And, he, yeah, I think that's, that's how grief gangs started. Grief gangs didn't start, I feel like, out of... Um, nobleness or anything aside of desperation mm -hmm. and to find somebody and to just one voice just to find somebody who would get it and then yeah as the numbers have grown and more people have resonated and I still cry every time I read DMs I'm like oh this person has <laughs> had a lovely message and just knowing that someone I don't know where they are in the world has tuned in and heard a segment of my story or somebody else's and it's resonated is my get up and go mm -hmm. but it is you do feel the weight of weight of the world you want to save everybody. Yeah. That's the part. And it's not the one that like, you just know there are so many more, especially in these last two years of the pandemic. I think grief and death and dying has been clearly put on the map and we, we, ha we haven't been able to ignore it at all. We couldn't do the stiff upper lip and keep calm and carry on. We were all losing our shit in the last two years. And so death was on our TVs all day, every day. And people didn't know how to talk about it. And they couldn't go into local communities amongst their friends and families and have these discussions. So they turned online. And the first places they find are and mine and everyone else's. Mm -hmm. And they're just dumping. And there was so much rage. And there is still so much rage and injustice over the last two years. And it's... it's you have to, it's it's hard at times, but it is my complete get up and go. But knowing 
knowing, always going back to my core values of why am I doing this? Why am I doing this for me to share about my story and to meet people and to share it? It's what always keeps me kind of grounded and like these are the key values. And it's cheaper than therapy. And it's so cheaper than therapy. <laughs> <laughs> and I could do it in bed. Like it's a little Zoom, you know, I ain't got to go trot off to some, you know, stiff therapist chair no it's totally I'm actually right. I actually love therapy so <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit balanced yeah it's like the therapist watching I love you <laughs> do you how do you this is just something I'm really interested in knowing because there's a certain amount of responsibility that you have when you are inviting someone to come and talk about some really raw mm. stuff so we have people that get in touch with us and just say you know my mum died like three weeks ago I've been listening to your podcast mm. in the build-up and I really want to come on and we're like take a second yeah. because um I don't know about for you but I was just like full of adrenaline for months after my mum died like I just mm. don't know what to do with all of this and that's the kind of thing that I was doing and then that kind of all came before this yeah. terrible crash in my mid-20s yeah. um how do you look after your guests same like you kind of there is an aftercare and it is I think in any kind of if anyone's you know even in here thinking about even like tuning into like say our podcast you do have to check in with yourself because I like you have received messages like that of people you get inspired or they think yeah I want to share my story and it's there's times I've had people and they've come and they've come to the moment and they've gone I can't do it mm. and I go it's fine that's totally okay I normally say to them listen to a few before like mm. listen these are questions, you know, really gear them up because we do have that adrenaline. And I, when I first started, was like, I want to tell anybody and everybody who will listen. And in some moments it would get to, and I think, no, I can't. Mm-hmm. I can't. And there's still certain parts of my story that I can't talk yeah. about without going, mm, yeah, no, not going there. And so adrenaline will only get you so far. But it is so important to have a call aftercare for these people because it's that we did a workshop the other day and it was intense and afterwards I felt like I was up here like ah elevating and then it just comes down and then everything that we reflected on was there and so we checked in with our attendees we were like are you okay because I don't know if I am just like having that like that was a lot wasn't it acknowledging it and allowing that space to be they're not just being like yeah thanks for coming on the pod see ya you have to have to have that aftercare yeah. but I wanted to talk about um more so just yeah being a motherless daughter so first to put to the crowd are there any other motherless people in the crowd wow hello DMC DMC <laughs> DMC yeah no but, that's that <laughs> but dead mum club it's a shit club to be part of isn't it um and I want to talk about continuing bonds Okay. Okay. Continuing bonds and how how do you, Anna, continue a bond with your mum? And it can feel, I think it's really dependent of where you are in your grief of doing that. Like if someone said to me very early on, you need to continue your bond with your mother, I'd be like, shut up. Like she's dead. How can I continue a bond with a corpse? It's not going to happen. But actually realising this love and this energy is, is beyond the grave. And she, as you were saying earlier, when they're here and they're not, it is. And how to tap into that. What do you kind of do? When do you feel like you're most continuing your bond with your mum? That's such a lovely question. I think my mum really liked really high and very low culture. Mm. Um, so whenever I'm watching <laughs> like really shit telly, 
Um, and my mum didn't really drink. She was the daughter of an alcoholic and she was quite anti-drinking really. But every Sunday she'd drink Stella on the sofa. Stop. And watch like a box set. She really liked Glee. <laughs> she really liked a lot of crap. Yeah. So every time I find myself like drinking a Stella yeah. on the sofa, I'm like, all right, mum. Hello. Um, she also, um, for me... Um, which actually stands in quite contrast to what you said about um, the way that you navigated friendships after your mum died. Mm. For me, my friends have been the most important lifeline for me mm. in that grief and navigating that, despite not necessarily being bereaved themselves. Mm. Like a few of them have, and then the, the more people you meet through things like this, yeah. and you know, you become part of that club. But I mean, we were all just flawed, but they stepped up. Yeah. And that for me, and my mum's friends are amazing and are amazing and I'm still in contact with many of them mm. and, you know, haven't been legally adopted, but it would be nice, <laughs> a bit out of order really. Um, and um, so I think that um, just really like nurturing my relationships with my mm. friends is something mm. that makes me feel much closer to her. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, we both love books, reading, writing, all of those things. Um, and I also just think like... It was a bit of a dick move for my mum, actually. But when she was dying, she was like, you really need to look after your brother. And I was like, oh, come on, man. Like, well, that's a big, that I'm out. Like 20. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I did and I have. And he's like amazing and such a credit to her. And mm. being a good, he calls me sister mum, like being a good sister <sighs> mum to him has kind of, has become really important yeah. to me. Yeah. Um, and also I have, this is, a, this is a bit of a tricky one because I have a very close relationship with my mum's mum and she's unfortunately currently dying in a care home and the way that I put my energy into my relationship with my grandma was a testament to my love for my mum. Yeah. Like we were very much a kind of triangle of, mm-hmm. I mean, quite a lot of like bad behaviour but also <laughs> like really a strong bond between yeah. the three of us. And I almost felt, it wasn't even that my grandma was particularly nurturing in that way but because she was just always there and she was so constant it almost felt kind of okay not to have a mum because she was that it was kind of a bit of a void filled um and navigating losing her too Mm. has definitely like added another layer to my grief but luckily it was long enough later that I've done a lot of work that I'm kind of grown up I guess and able to deal with it in different ways you're losing your matriarch yeah. And that's and hard. And it's me left. I mean, this is exactly where I'm I family am. Family of men. I'm like, mm. thank you. This is exactly where I am now. And um, yeah, after after mum died, then her aunt is like our, our great aunt. She's like our grandmother. And she passed away at the end of this month last year. And I was, yeah, going through kind of what, what you're going through now of, oh shit, I thought, yeah, kind of losing mum. At least I knew I always had her to yeah. turn to and to ask those questions about my mum. She like practically raised my mum as well. And then as that's going, you feel like you're losing another part of mum again. You're losing a keeper of memories. That's the perfect way to put it, a keeper of memories of someone. Because now when I want to ask questions about my mum, I can only go back thus far because I can ask people like my dad, who was married to her for how many years. And I'm like, I want that part of her life to know about that. And then, yeah, losing the matriarch and then being like, oh... Am I am I the next in line? It's me. I'm the next chosen one. I think I can't I can't carry this. I can't do this. But I want to touch on what you said about adoption. 
and <laughs> when Anna and I were talking, <laughs> if anyone here are a part of a part of the uh, of the Dead Mum Club, and uh, it's it's something that I've actually never really spoken about on the podcast. So I thought, oh, too weird to say out loud. I said it like within five minutes of meeting <laughs> you the other day, <laughs> and we went. Did you ever find that you always gravitated towards other people's mums? And we were like, yeah. And I found in the immediacy after my mum's death and years after with certain friends, I'd spend more time with their mums than I would them and kind of just start gravitating to these women just to feel that mum energy. Mm. And then when the mums would be like, oh, Amber's such a lovely girl, bring her around more. I was like, yes. <laughs> I was like, in the bag, in the bag. But then the harsh, re- and then some of those friendships I ended up ending and then I was like losing the mum and I was like, I'm losing another mum, I can't yeah. believe it. And then it was that, again, reality of no one's ever going to love or stick by you like your mum did. Yeah. It's that unconditional love that mm. just doesn't come from anyone else. No. The person that loves you most in the world is gone. Yeah. And how do you accept and feel love? Yeah. And I think um, one thing that we've also spoken about before is um, like romantic relationships. Mm. So um, you were in a relationship before your mum died and are still... Yeah. Still with it. Right? Hanging on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think that, um, you know, that there's a certain joy in, I mean, assuming that you guys end up together, which I'm sure you are, um, <laughs> that your mum has met this person. Yeah. And then for me, like a big thing was the first thing I did after my mum died was sleep with my ex-boyfriend. Because no. <laughs> that was exposing. <laughs> um, <laughs> his wife isn't listening. Um, and I was like, because I was like, oh, but you've met him and you liked him and surely, surely yeah. this is meant to and be. And he's getting back, yeah. And like yeah. there's that, 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 that void, that void that we fill mm. with things and people and like just trying to like desperately find love. Yeah. Now I'd love to know how you you navigated your because you were so young mm. in this relationship how your romantic relationship has kind of survived this huge loss oh yeah it was a t- tough time tough time um so yeah we were about for me and my partner we've been together since we we're 16 we're now um 25 turning 26 next year so 10 years next year kind of a decade of my life with one penis jesus <laughs> i can't relate <laughs> i still can't relate um and yeah he Knew my mum, my mum watched him grow and and this this young 16-year-old boy into this kind of boisterous lad, Jack the Lad, 19-year-old. And I remember when she died and I remember thinking, I don't know if he'll survive this because I had changed overnight. Mm. I was not the kind of happy-go-lucky Amber, his girlfriend at the time. And I was feeling a lot of heavy stuff and I just wasn't interested in the things that we used to do together with our friends and anything like that. And I remember the moment when I thought, I'll marry this boy. I'll marry this guy. The time between when mum died and her funeral was a long time because she, um, her one wish was always to be buried with her mum in Great Yarmouth in Norfolk, where she was born and raised. So from down south to there, it's about a three-hour drive and there was a whole thing of arranging cars to come and get her. So it was about a month wait we had to before she went. So in that time, we had a lot of time to think about how do we want this funeral to be the funeral that we want. And I remember we were sat in the in the funeral directory in the back end of slough gosh she would have turned in her grave knowing she was in the back end of slough jeez oh god <laughs> good god think about that now and we're all sat there and the funeral director's like okay Paul Bearers who do you want my brother's like well obviously me he's like him one of mum's husbands 
mum's mum's friend's husband um a cousin of ours and we were like a fourth one we were like oh well our well her dad we're like oh they're too old and I remember my brother just went Joe and Joe sat there I looked across the table from him and he's just like yeah and I was like oh my god (laughs) and then I'll never forget and that kind of went over my head a bit a little bit of thinking okay we're just still in the madness of it and walking down that church me and my sister-in-law hand in hand together the coffin in front and all I saw was that Jack Joe's the back left this young skinny tall six foot thing next arm in arm like that with mum's coffin and I looked at the back of his head and just went that's the boy that's the boy for me and I sat there and I thought geez if you can you carried her on her last journey I love you boy (laughs) That is so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> but that's when I knew it. And so I, I, I kind of set in stone and I was like, if he can stay by my side through this, we can stay through anything. And that was tested a lot and still does get tested. And I pushed and pushed and pushed him away for many, many years. And he stayed. Even when I kicked, screamed, told him to go away, leave me alone, I don't want this. I would spit venom at him because I didn't really mean that. I was just so upset that the world took my mum. And he could see through that. He could see through it. And he'd stay and he'd like hold on for dear life. And then it'd be like the mask would drop and the emotion would come out. And he'd be like, I know that's not you. We need to talk. But it's hard and it's hard. And I could so, and I, I never used to understand before of when people's like marriages would fall apart, like when something, I think you'd come together mm. and actually going through and realizing how it can make or break a whole entire family. That was the biggest eye opener for me. Like me and my brother, we completely fell apart to come back together again because we didn't know how to talk to each other. Up until earlier this year, we actually sat down and had the first conversation about what it was, what that day was like to lose our mum. Because wow. the past six years, we haven't been able to look each other in the face and say, what was the 25th of June 2016 like for you? And then hearing his side of what the parts that really broke him, the parts that really broke me, and you look back on that day and you think, geez, we were on totally different planes. Where were we? It's yeah. the same injury, but different symptoms. Yeah. That's what um, Megan O'Rourke, who wrote a beautiful yeah. book called The Last Goodbye the long goodbye said and that I think that something that someone touched upon this morning in in the intro was like people say things like they know how you feel Mm. but like siblings lose a different parent like me and my brother lost a completely different Mm -hmm. mum um you know friends lose a different friend like everyone's different to everyone that's really interesting actually one of the only times I've had a proper grown-up conversation with my brother Mm. about mum dying like for a prolonged period Mm. of time rather than just little snippets Mm. is when he came on and did the episode Everyone's, the if you want to talk to someone in your life and you don't know how to just start a podcast, start a podcast <laughs> and invite them as a guest and that's the way. But it was, and it was, it's that episode for me, like, I don't say it's a favourite, but it was a game changer. Mm-hmm. Sat, being sat there, I want to hear what yours was like because my brother was so nervous. Yeah, mine too. So nervous, you could hear the shaking in his voice. And I kind of set out with the same kind of structure that I do with an episode and I was like, so tell me, who did you lose? He was like, oh, mum. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I think I asked, I said, what was the hardest part for you of the day? And I said, I told him what my part was. And I was kind of expecting something similar back. And he turned around and he said, 
no, that wasn't the hardest part for me. He said, the hardest part for me was actually leaving the hospital. And I was like, I couldn't have waited to get out of the hospital. Mm. I was clutching to and crawling out of there. And he said, I didn't want to leave the hospital. And he said, he got to his car and he put the keys in and he fell to the floor because he said, I knew if that were me in there, she'd never leave me. Mm. And I went, Pfft. I sat there, I was like, thanks, brother. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> Yeah, I was like, that's true. And to know that, like, I was skipping out of the car park while on the other side he was falling to pieces. Mm. But we've lost the same role model, but, yeah, different relationships. And we totally grieved different. And for years I couldn't understand why. I was like, she is our mum. How are we doing this so differently? But because we had different relationships. He had seven years longer with mum and has different memories and and different relations of how a mother and a son and a mother and a daughter will potentially speak and treat one another. Um, although he was definitely her favourite, yeah, hundred percent. Like, oh and, yeah, no, surely not. My brother goes, he's like, he's like, you're so like mum now, and I'm like, yeah, but you were the favourite. He was like, I know, <laughs> I know, yeah, yeah. And he's given her grandkids now from afar, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. Talking on kids, yeah. This <sighs> is this is a really interesting yeah. thing about being like a bereaved a bereaved person and thinking about like your future and when you want that to look like. So I know that my mum never knew, my mum died when I was in my final year of university, which was a vibe. <laughs> um, so um, she never knew that I graduated. Yeah. She's never known that I've like built a career. She's never known that I bought a flat. She's never known anyone that I've ever been with, which is probably for the best. Um, and she's like so much. I'm loving she, your friend gliggling away in the corner. Yeah. Here. She's like, she's yeah. Like, yep. <laughs> um, and then you think about the future and you think, I mean, I don't know, obviously, whether or not, like, I'll procreate or get married or, mm. you know, any of the kind of things that people seem to like to I do. I the word procreate. <laughs> I know, it's a bit clinical, really, isn't it? Bit... I have a weird... Inseminate me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, mean, I don't think I'm mature enough, firstly. But, um, <laughs> and just thinking about, like, cool, well, what does it mean to mother or be mother figure? Like, I have four godchildren who, like, adore and I love my yeah. friends' children, I love all of that, but... Actually, just last night, I met one of my best friends. Just It was a weird week last week, like anniversary of my mum's mm. death, grandma, like, on her last legs. Yeah. My friend just had a baby, and I was just looking at it like, there's so many big yeah. feelings here. Like, what, what does it mean to parent without a parent? Mm. And um, what does it mean to, you know, how, what if I die then? And then mm. I'm just leading them to deal with everything that I had yeah. to go through. And, like, it just, it feels big, like, parenting without a parent. I don't think my mum, she didn't really mind whether, mm. it wasn't, like, a thing whether or not I had a kid, but, like, asking those questions. Yeah. And you just, I would love to now, like, if I could just sit down, that's what be like, like, what do I do? Like, what, mm. what, what do you think? I don't yeah. know. Yeah, exactly. And I want to ask as well, kind of, like, since losing your mum, like, what was your thought on future before of, like, yeah, was it, big family anything like that I didn't think I'd live beyond 30 yeah. I just couldn't think beyond that I turned 30 yeah. a few months ago and I just couldn't I've never made big life plans I can mm. I can only plan month to month yeah we spoke, yeah which is weird because I just couldn't she was 53 when she died and I was like well I'm over her middle age like I'm just gonna die like every, everything I just think I'm gonna die yeah so in a way it's made me very present and I kind of live in the moment mm. and kind of kind of love life but similarly um it's definitely a sense of like foreboding, yeah, really. Yeah. How do you feel about families? It's strange and it's 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 altered everything that I thought that I wanted um very subconsciously. And it's only when kind of as growing up and 
etching a little bit forward to kind of the time frames that I thought I might want to start a family or look to these things, they actually go, oh no, I don't think I want to do that. Or even how am I going to do that? The biggest wake up for me was kind of when my sister-in-law, my brother had, had um, my nephew, their firstborn, and we were all living together at one, at one time under one roof. And every, in the middle of the night, like when Leo would not shut up, she would call her mum. Mum, I don't know, I've fed him, I've changed him, I've done everything, what do I do? Yeah. And her mum would go, you know, check his teeth, check his bum, you know, all that stuff. And she'd just do it and she'd be like, okay. And sometimes it would solve it, sometimes it wouldn't. But she just had that safety net to call up and go. And I really resented it. Mm. I thought, fuck you, that you get to do that and you get to call your mum because when I, God willing, will have a child, because I do still want it, I don't have that luxury. Mm. And it really annoys me sometimes when I see people... When I see people, like, this is rant, like, people just call up their mums, just, like, dump the kid on, and I think... And, you know, kind of no thanks there or gratitude. And I just think you don't know how lucky you even are to even be able to go and yeah. dump that kid over there. I even get that. You know, when people are, oh, I'm going for coffee with my mum. Like, it's, it feels like someone's punched me every time someone says something. Small things like that. I'm small going stuff. home to my parents. And I'm like, that's nice. Yeah. That's been like, what's nice, that like? Nice to be here, isn't it? Yeah. And it's really, I think about the small details of it. I, I used to really fixate on, like, the who will be with me in the delivery room or anything like that. And it's kind of like... I'll just suck it up and do it myself anyway. Just squeeze <laughs> the thing out. <laughs> Mum would probably be no use anyway. She's a flapper. Of just, it's, yes, the small things that I think of. And watching my dad become a grandparent, and even him, he acknowledges, goes, oh, she'd be so much better at this than me. Mm. And I go, yeah, she would. Um, <laughs> but it's... Um, it's really changed the course of everything. I really thought I wanted a semi big family. I'm thinking, I don't think I'll be able to do this. I want to be the person who would go and dump the kids from the mum and go, mum, I'm coming, the kids, blah, 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 blah. So the, not having that safety net, not mm. having that person who's going to teach my kids all the naughtiness because she would have been a naughty grandmother. And I just think, I look around, I think, I look at my partner's mum, and I'm like, oh, she's not going to, is she? So, <laughs> <laughs> Should have let something out. <laughs> We're recording this. So. <laughs> um, it's that. And I think about my wedding day. I wanted the big wedding and the whole shebang. Now I'd be happy with registry office and all that. And that's not because I'm like, oh, it's the, the shitter part of it. But I'm like, what's the point of all the big stuff if the biggest person in your life can't be there absolutely and I can speak for Emily here who mm. recently got married yeah. in a very small in a very kind of small registry way and that that her mum is just so present in her absence the mm. whole day and yeah. that all the good things all feel like yeah. clouded by by that and I think I don't know how you feel like a few years on now but like I just feel unfair for her I'm like this is so unfair for you, you don't get any of the good bits like yeah. she had only just had the hell of the menopause and then yeah. she just died and it's like oh my yeah. god like that is that is like that's what rough. an absolute shit <laughs> that's, like, that's terrible that's so, a part too of like I think in early years of grief kind of we are all the star of our own show and our own grief and kind of like this is so sad for me for me and what am I missing out with them and as time has gone by I don't know about you and I've kind of like I think, yeah, God, like you've missed, you don't get the chance at so many other things again. Like, yeah. don't get the chance to be a grandmother and like excluding of what she would do for me, what it would do for her to like her to be playful again. She was such a playful character and like 
to love again, all these things, all these experiences to travel. Like the year she died, I remember it was my God, my first like big girl job, paying job. And I was like, I'm going to take her to Italy. And we never did Italy. Yeah. And it's like all those things. That's the part that now pains me of, mm. um, oh, what injustice for you this was. Yeah. Such an injustice. Absolutely. Well, this feels like a natural time to put it out to you yeah, guys. Yeah, I thought we've just done a live party. Like, I've been just looking at you. I'm like, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. I forgot you were here. <laughs> <laughs> so there is a roving mic somewhere. Here we go. Um, and we we want to hear from you, your yeah, stories, stories, your comments. questions, what it's been like being part of the DMC. Yeah. Oh, I'm just looking. I'm like, <laughs> go. It's weird when that happens because there's this like weird sensation around wanting the loved one that's passed to like know the people that are new in your life. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, like they don't know this person that's like now become a really good friend of mine or that's like now my new, you know, partner or mm-hmm. like my new job uh, workmates. And um, I sometimes say to Sean, I'm like constantly saying to him, he'd love you. Yeah. You know, we'd be talking about this right now. And he, um, sometimes when he comes home, I, I have some of his uh, Simon's pajamas mm. and he puts them on. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, is this really weird? You can tell me not. And he's like, <laughs> and he's like strangely, it's not weird. I kind of, yeah. it's, it's, I'm actually fine. I'm like, cool, wear his pajamas then. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was just something I wanted to share about like, yeah, that's been, because it's now been up to, it's coming up to four years now. So I feel like those things are starting to happen mm. more and more, where you're like realising that the new people in your life uh, haven't ever physically met that person. So yeah, it's like a different type of grief almost. Totally. Like you uh, you meet people, and we were talking about this on our workshop the other day of, there's people, you know, who become such a key per- part of your life and you just think, I so wish my person met you. Oh, Like they would have the loved you. Mm. Like you would have been thick as thieves. Like you would have been probably better like friends than us. And it's it's a real tough one to navigate through. I try and employ my mum's bullshit filter when I meet people. <laughs> like I try and like see them through how she would see them. Yeah. Doesn't always work, but that is one way that I kind of think of it. And I'm like, would she love this person? Like, would she yeah. love to have this person over for dinner and mm. sit and have a Stella with them? Like that's yeah. kind of how I like to... <laughs> 
yeah. that I like to. Because as well, that kind of going, as I said, I think right at the beginning of like, especially mothers, they can just see through people's bullshit. My mum always twigged who were the bad friends before I did. Mm-hmm. And she just, she would never be rude. She'd just be like, hello. <laughs> and I'd be like, mum, you know, I, you can't treat like my friend there like that. And now she's just like, you'll see. <laughs> and I'd be like, oh, and then it would happen. And she'd be like, I ain't seen much of so-and-so around. And i go, yeah, we don't talk no more. <laughs> and she'd be like, mm. No, just saying, she's like, you know, the trash takes itself out. I was like, yeah. And now, yeah, I totally do try and scope somebody out. I think, mm, what would my mum think? She'd think, you're, you're a bad egg, you're a bad egg, yeah. But it is totally, it's really hard to navigate through. And I think that's so nice that he um, he loves to wear his pyjamas. Yeah, I yeah. think that's, that's really, really sweet. sweet. And he feels comfortable. He doesn't Brilliant. feel weird at all. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Hello, thank you. My name's Sue, and I'd like to just ask about Final Gifts. I read a book some time ago um, called Final Gifts, and I found it very helpful. Um, and I realised that my final gift for my mother okay. was my journey to become a soul midwife, which I now am, yeah. and I help prepare people for dying. Mm. And I want my family to be prepared for when I die. Yeah. Your final gift from your mother. Final gift from my mother. My final gift from my mother. Probably, whether this fits into it, of an actual gift that I lost and was almost like a forgotten gift for quite some time, was a uh, journal. Because as we're going, talking a bit about earlier, of wanting to, you know, tap into those life lessons of that person I really felt lost of I couldn't ever remember anything she'd specifically said to me to like take me and carry me through in life of a real you know tap into my moral compass I was like she said a lot of good stuff but I was like it wasn't staying and it was 2020 and I was sifting through some memory boxes to find something for a documentary and I I couldn't believe that I'd forgotten about this and I opened up this box and I was sifting through photos and there was this journal and it was like this like photo book kind of journal and it said from from a mother to a daughter and I was like what's this opened it up and it was like a whole journal from a mother to a daughter and it had all these prompts and stuff it was like here's a photo of you when you were born you weighed this much I looked at it and I was like I felt like I was holding gold and I was like oh my god and it was just kind of all facts that I really knew I was like yeah okay when I was born I don't know how much I weighed I was like I know that and I was like is there anything in here and I flicked right to the back and it was a letter to your daughter and it was like, today is your 16th birthday. And then it was a message there. And then there was another one at the back. And I turned it over and I just completely buckled. And so much so, I loved it so much, I tattooed it on my skin. Because I'll read it word for word, because I can't remember from memory. And she wrote, and I thought this is just her to a T. She wrote, be true to yourself and others and treat, your, treat them like you would like to be treated yourself. And it sticks with me with everything through life. And anything, am I being true to myself? Am I treating others how I'd like to be treated? Because that was my mum through and through. She didn't matter who you were, she treated you the same. She would tell you about yourself as well. And she was just always, always kind. And so that little journal, if my house was burning down, that would be the first thing I grab. Um, and I think that was her parting gift to me. It was, I couldn't believe I forgot it and I found it. And it was a really tough time for me that moment. I was really struggling of 
where are you in me? Like, where mm. are you? It's where, like, she's always been there. She's always been there. Thank so you. That was probably my, like, actual physical parting gift from her. Thank what you. about you, Anna? One thing I have was, um, so I lived out in America the year before she died. I was studying there. She um, came to see me. She's a miraculous woman, like, just on her own in a wheelchair, like, just Brilliant. getting there. Yeah. And um, she wrote me this really nice card, just on the back of a postcard, um, just saying what a great time she'd had and I said something like um I feel so honored that I've had part in creating like such a wonderful human being like oh. thank you for your sense of humor and your wheelchair pushing and blah 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 <laughs> and then it said at the end you deserve the best from love and life and I framed it and I've got it up in my flat and I'm like I think about that all the time yeah. everything that I do every big decision I make like is this the best for me in mm. love and life and, and love for me like is completely you know encompassing of, of everything really you know your friendships your romantic relationships you know the your family relationships and that's something I always go back to but also she bought she bought me really you know eight hour cream yeah, <laughs> she bought me um, an eight-hour cream lip balm at the airport, yeah. and I, I can't open it, but I've no. still got it. Preserve that. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, Preserve. maybe there's a message in it. There's not. Yeah. <laughs> I just got it's just jam shut. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think also um, what she gave me and what I think is amazing about what you do, Sue. My mum is also called Sue. Yeah. Um, is she? What your mum's a Sue? Yeah. What's your mum a Sue? Fuck off. No. Mum's a Sue. Why haven't we? <laughs> No Shoes. way. Shoes. Other... <laughs> Anyone else mum could see here? <laughs> anyway. Um, and she, she, she didn't, I wouldn't say like nothing can prepare you. Like, um, but we had conversations that now in hindsight, I realised were about the future. Um, so one thing that she said, she needs, she said, whatever happens, you need to know that I loved your dad. And I was like, well, of course you love that. Mm. It's just there. Um, and then a few years later, uh, actually a few months after my mum, died I found out that my dad was gay and that was um really and I went back to what she said and I was like that's what she was telling me yeah. and that was her way of not outing him it wasn't hers to do and that wasn't something but it was her kind way of saying you need to remember that like this was what it was yeah. and that he has looked after me beautifully and mm. that for me was like such a gift and really got me through quite a lot of difficult times yeah. with my dad actually yeah amazing thank you Sue okay Sorry, we're making the lady walk. Take a few step count. I can't believe my mum's a Suze. How did we not? How did we not like that? <laughs> How did we not? Suze a legendary. Hi, yeah. <laughs> um, it's Libby Amber from. It's Libby, so, yeah. I feel like I'm meeting a celebrity. Um, I'm not part of the Dead Mums Club, but I'm part of the Dead Dads Club. So anyone else who's in here, um, I just wanted to say honestly, this whole conversation has just been both of you honestly amazing and I think I lost my dad 10 years ago this year and kind of like what you were saying Amber like for a long time you feel very isolated and you feel Mm. alienated from kind of similar to what you said Anna my friends for me were my rock Mm. were honestly like my family but there's still a lot of alienation and isolation just because as a young person I was 14 you most people haven't lost a parent at that point um, but yeah, just to kind of slowly this last year or so working at its time, um, I've kind of begun to connect with people, other young people who've lost a parent and it's just this, what you were also saying about this, you can sometimes tell in somebody, it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, the, the, you can, you can sniff it out and being able to connect with people like that. And there's almost, I was listening to this podcast the other day 
with Mary Portis. Mm. And um, she was saying there's this almost um, chemistry between people when they've lost a parent. Yeah. And it's kind of, even though I haven't been part of this conversation, it's what I have felt with both of you yeah. today. And I just think it's so special. And I just wanted to say, yeah, thank you for what you do, because it's amazing. Thank you, oh, Libby. Thanks, and it is Libby. true. Like, we're all part of... There is just... Yeah, chemistry is such a beautiful word for it, because even, yeah, the difference... Yeah, especially in parental, both, yeah, mother, father, and then just loss as a whole. There is just a chemistry, because we just... We're all... We almost, like, recognise each other's, like, empty holes in yeah. us, and, like... I see your hole, you see my hole. And like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> <Whoa. laughs> the green room for that. That went, <laughs> went dark, but you see it and you go, yeah, yeah. I'm with you. It's like a, like a, almost like a silent understanding yeah. as well. You're like, yeah, I get that. And some people like are quite forthcoming and want to be like, yeah, I'll tell you about them. And some people you're just like, I get you, that's it. You know, yeah. you don't need to say anything else. I always think the most important thing, if you know someone's parent has destroyed or anyone's just died, acknowledge it yeah. and just say, I'm really sorry about your mum, dad, sister, mm. brother, whatever. Just say it and then if then it invites them to, if they'd yeah. like to have the conversation, have it. But otherwise, just know it. Like, I don't know if anyone else would be here, but sometimes when you're talking to people and you don't know whether or not they know that your person has died. Mm. And for you, it's all you can think about. And if they just acknowledged it at the beginning, yeah. it would have taken away that awkwardness. Mm, yeah. And like, I think that people are just so terrified of saying the wrong thing that they don't say anything. Yeah. And that is the thing that comes up again and again with the mother of all losses. It's like yeah. the worst thing you can do is say, say nothing. nothing. I think that's another thing is grief as well. Yeah, you're saying of people are so scared to just get it wrong and I go yeah you're gonna yeah accept okay. the fact mm -hmm. you're gonna get it wrong it's not it's about your comeback I always find that you go hold your hands up I messed up there I said something wrong what can I do to learn better from this you gain my respect a lot more than if you were just to throw in the towel mm -hmm. totally but yeah we're, people don't want to be wrong and they want to be like I want to be to be perfect I want to be that cool person for them and like you won't always be that person and have have humility I think yeah. when supporting somebody breathing having a bit of humility will take you very very far but Absolutely. thank you Libby so lovely to have you um oh there's maybe over here while and you're the, there the and then you can go down yeah Hi, my name's Harriet, and um, um, when you were talking, I come from South America. I was born in Peru. Um, I didn't have that experience. I loved my mom, but I didn't like her at all. Mm. And, you know, it seems like sacrilege. Or I feel super guilty that, oh, you know, you're talking to mom. Mom, of course, I, she gave me my life. But because my, my history is quite, you know, we moved a lot. Uh, she put us in a lot of danger. My mom was Peruvian, my dad was British. So it, I always feel like I should, you know, I, I this, with all of us, because we're a bit seven brothers and sisters, that we all just wanted to run away. And we all did eventually. And except for one sister that stayed, and she has brain injury, so she couldn't escape. It's like, I don't have the experience mm. you have. I, I wish I could, 
you know, I, but I've, I've been trying to deal with it and say, okay, I love you, mom, but why did you do that? And so it's not all moms are yeah. perfect. And it's not something that I would ever admit to before today when you were talking. And I would say, that's not my experience. Mm-hmm. There's that- not those fond memories. There's not that. Yeah. It's not that I didn't cry, but I only permitted myself one day. Mm. You know, and that's it. It shut the door. That you know, I'm mm. 72 years old now, and mm. I wish I had had. But for the kids that I, because I've I got married very very young, and um, she was there for those kids because I got divorced when I was 19. And I said, why did I take them to the hell that I lived in? So it's, I don't think. Well, I'm talking, you know, it's like not everybody has the experience of having a mom that was there, that loved you. Totally. And and even, yeah, yeah, that can be really, it's really isolating because when, um, after when somebody dies and they do, everyone gets put on pedestals. And when in in your internal clock, you think, actually, they weren't very nice. Absolutely. And it's complicated. And you can grieve for somebody and loathe them at the same time. And acknowledge their flaws and their complexities and grieve for the person they should have been yeah. like grieving for the mother that you should have had and then also grieving for the one that you didn't want and you're like well that was the one that I had and this you, you're grieving for what should have been and then when society as a model is you know we're told to not speak ill of the dead and that it's wrong to do so when actually I don't see speaking, I don't think speaking of the, is a true thing. I think it's speaking facts. Yeah. So saying, I miss my mum and I, I wish, I wish you could have been here for us to do things different, for us to have maybe change the, the few more years that we had together, a different trajectory. One thing that we really make a point to do, or don't even make a point to do, but one thing that we've really done on The Mother of All Losses is make sure that we include people's experience who have very complicated relationships with their mums. And they've been some really, really interesting and hard-hitting episodes, but I think really, really important, actually. Mm. Um, We've had um, people, you know... um, whose mothers had them um, one story when she was very young and was very abusive and they were estranged for years when she died. And I think that talking about the impact that that has on people is really, really important. And I cannot imagine the layers of complexity that that adds to your grief. And I'm just really sorry. And there are, there are, as you're saying on podcasts, there are podcasts, there are support groups as well that cater to like it's complicated that is very much it's very much complicated so if you want recommendations I'd be more than happy to talk with you because your grief matters and it is it has to be included it must be included mm. because not everybody has the what I say like Hollywood version of grief mm. it's not they were a great person it's this people were complicated in life and in death as well absolutely yeah absolutely should we go should yeah we do one one more because you did have your can we do one more can we do one more yeah if you on. need to go that's absolutely fine yeah. obviously um, yeah, I mean, I think also the way that I think about like the negative parts because no one's perfect, and like no. me and my mum used to scream oh, at each my other. Gosh, like, yeah. Yeah. I remember once just saying like, "I wish you were dead," and now I'm like, oh, "I can't believe I said that." <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, what yeah. an awful thing to but say. But even to now, like, I definitely more ruminate over my mum's more com- complex sides of her, and I think, and I see that in me, and I think you gave me that. <laughs> yeah. So was it meant to be me? Is or it general? Oh, we. I mean, yeah, let's, let's yeah. do both. <laughs> Is anyone meant to be in here next? Is anybody meant to be in here next in the auditorium? 
Okay, do, do, do these last two and we'll wrap up, we'll wrap up. Go, 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 go. Okay, um, <laughs> it's actually uh, quite interesting that the person before me spoke because um, I'm also from South America, I'm from Paraguay, and um, I was adopted. So the adoption thing is quite an interesting one. Mm. But um, so my, my mother here uh, died when uh, in like 2007, so I was like 12. And we had a very, uh, it's very interesting when people speak about conditional love unconditional love because my 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 mum's love for me unfortunately was very conditional um i she was someone who um adoption complicates things because you you bring you bring a child into a situation where people are already grieving a lot of the time mm -hmm. um and i was brought into that to be <clears throat> the perfect daughter and as you can see that hasn't really worked out um <laughs> and my mum even named the person that I was essentially replacing. I knew that I knew that baby's name. Um, and she, um, like you were saying earlier, she, she uh, had poor health for a lot of time and it just kept happening and happening. And we always got through it, it's always fine. And because I was the daughter and had to be the perfect daughter, I'd always be like, yes, I'll do this for you because if you don't, you'll get ill. Yeah. If I don't, I'll upset mm. you. You know, and um, all those levels of like, oh, you're the, you're the daughter, so you learn about all these things that you shouldn't learn about because I'm going to confide in you. I basically was a therapist for my mom yeah. for a lot of it. Mm. Um, so I have this very, very complicated relationship with her, mm. um, which now it's the, the lack of closure, the lack of being able to turn around and be like, you know, I mean, she's just very religious, throwing all girls Catholic school in there as well. And you've got a real, a real, oh, uh, you've got a real concoction. <laughs> yeah, there. a real concoction <laughs> messed up. But, um, and I mean, also she was my, my, you know, I, I loved her dearly. I, I believe therapists call it a disorganized attachment, mm. um, which is the most complicated of them all where, you know, I, I loved her like, you know, she was my rock, she was my everything. And, you know, the added aspect of like that little like adoption spice where it's like, yeah. I saved you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. You know, be grateful. Yeah. Um, so very, yeah, very, very complicated. Um, plus, you know, the, the, the imagine, like imagining the, the, com uh, the conversations I could have had with her. I'm like, look, I'm, I'm a guy now and I'm mm. fine. Like, I'm really happy. I have beautiful friends and wonderful support people. Yeah. And, like, and you thought I would just be, you know, these ideas of what these mm -hmm. things are going to do mm -hmm. to you. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's I, I, very similar to this person. I, I love my mom dearly, but I did not like her and she did not like me. Mm -hmm. um, and it was made very clear a lot of the time. Um, but then the added spice. This is a spicy story. So, yeah. Um, the added spice is, you know, you go around being like, oh, this person's mum's great. This person's yeah. mum's great. You're my new mum now. Yeah. So I had the, yeah. the privilege, I dare to call it now, the privilege of being able to choose my mum um, until 2019 when I went a little bit too much on Facebook and I found my birth mother. <gasps> And then I went over to see her in Paraguay, and she's awful. Oh. She's, she, well, I'm, I'm just like, you know, if, I mean, it's complicated. You know, mm -hmm. she, she suffered a lot of trauma, as have I in the, the, the passing time. Uh, we're very, very different people, totally, totally different socioeconomic background. Mm. Um, I was shocked that she would even accept me to start with, because it's very Catholic over there. Mm. But, you know, sometimes, you know, people have the ability to put look past their... Um, belief systems and be like, okay, you're the person. So we tried it, we gave it a go. Mm. But um, unfortunately, at the end of the day, because of so much difference, I 
I, I think she sees me as a bit of a cash cow sort of situation, mm. which is very common for anyone who lives abroad and has mm. family in like less, um, less developed countries, well, exploited countries, let's yeah. just say that. Um, so yeah, it's, it's an ongoing thing, but now it always brings me back to that point of like, I didn't know how lucky I was being able to choose who my mum's, mm. you know? And, and, there's, and she's never going to, and it's, it's, it, it sucks because yeah. I know she's never going to be able to do it and the one before never did it. Yeah. Um, so I kind of lived this motherless but mothered existence mm. of someone being like, you're my kid. Yeah. Let's pretend this never happened. It's like, yeah. no, no, it did happen. Yeah. All of this happened. And she's never asked me a single thing about myself. Wow. Um, and so I guess it's a, a point to say that, you know, just because someone gave you life doesn't mean you actually owe them anything. Mm-hmm. No. And I, I'm at this point, I know it sucks, but I'm not going to be... I'm not going to feel a thing if she dies. Yeah. Um, and if I am going to feel anything, it's because of all the other mum stuff. Of all the other you know? stuff, yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, so it's, yeah, there's, there's a very interesting thing mm. about just, you know, and every, yeah, like you were saying, every sort of, like, life benchmark you get to, you're mm-hmm. like, I mean, on the one hand, I'm like, oh, I wish she could see me, but also it's like, look at me now! Ha! <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, like... Um, it's complicated, isn't it? It, it um, is. It's com- complicated yeah, it's compl- and spicy. Thank you for sharing <laughs> that story. Because um, grieving for people who are still alive. Oh, yeah. If, oh, yeah. <laughs> again, grieving for everything that should have been. And if we did this differently, or if you were open more in this way, we could have been like this type of thing. Yeah, grieving for people who are still here is so, so real. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you. If you want to come on the podcast, I know. Um, uh, we're going to fight for you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you um no more one more just a little one dmc yeah, yes yes yeah. thank you. yes thank you quick sorry <laughs> my welsh accent's gonna probably ruin it but um never i just wanted to say thank you really um i think one thing that happens once you've grieved is people forget to ask you who the person was they mm. always ask you what happened yeah. and that's shit mm. <laughs> that bit's really shit but um and maybe what happened and who they were is too but um on the group that you did this week you said like what annoyed you the most about the person i was like yeah he was fucking annoying and <laughs> I, lo- I loved him but he was and um yeah and all the other things somebody asked me the other day in work oh what was what was your dad like and i was yeah. like oh thank you yeah. like that is what i want to talk about that is the grieving is is a huge part of it but so is who they were so just want to yeah. say thank you for bringing that um and to here today and everybody been able to talk about who they were and what yeah. your relationship was like with them because i think it's still a really important question totally to bring. thank you and thursday was yeah thursday was a lot thursday was a lot <laughs> so so do look up the grief gang and the mother of all losses and yes. not in a kind of shameless promotion self-promotion yeah. way like get in touch if you know say always say yeah not yeah. even yeah just like i have like a, a knowledge now of all the different people in community i'm like if i can't help you i know somebody's gonna because I'm not precious about it. We've built these networks to find people so that if anyone turns up on our online door, I'll go, you're not going to be just 
roadblock to yeah. you. I, I will help you find somewhere and I will find it. I will scope through <laughs> until I find something. I believe something. it. <laughs> I believe it. Because you don't have to do it alone. The, the way the online movement is just going and just there is something for everybody. I'm so, When I see the niche upon niche upon niche of loss, I'm like, how far have we come? Mm. That it's not just all under just death and dying. There's groups for all individual types of losses and complications and everything. Like you don't have to do it alone. And to I think to close on there, to continue talking about your people don't it's so hard to just fixate yes on how they die because it becomes such a huge part of like our identity and theirs but to always every now and then just take stock and remember what were they what were they like when they were here and to tap back into that because that that for me is a huge part to continue my bond with my mum so Anna thank you this thank has you. been an absolute who thank honestly. you for coming <laughs> and thank you all for coming here and being vulnerable and sharing and, and giggling at our bad jokes um, it's been wonderful and hopefully see you all across some more of the other programmes so thank you that's it for this week's episode thank you so so much for joining me i hope that episode uh, gave you a bit of a laugh as much as me and anna were barely laughing our way throughout the whole recording honestly there was times where we were just looking at each other <laughs> doing this recording we were like oh shit there is an audience in front of us we probably should turn around and talk to them as well we just got so lost in the moment and that's testament to uh to Anna she's a hoot she's a hoot you can find Anna and Emily's podcast at the mother of all loss podcasted podcasts podcast the mother of all losses podcast highly recommend highly 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 recommend um obviously it is a maternal loss podcast but I think everybody can learn something from their episodes so yeah thanks for tuning in and I will see you next week we're now going to start dipping into all that festive, all that festive fun, eh? Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> Big love. See you later. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.